Hello, and welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. Whether you're here to learn about the root causes of depressive-like symptoms, wanting to know more about alternative solutions, or you're a biohacker looking to optimize your mental health and brain, this podcast is for you. I am Dr. Achina Stein, and I will be your host on your journey to resolving depressive-like symptoms and optimizing your mood. You're listening to the What If It's Not Depression podcast, hosted by Dr. Achina Stein. And I had just been through a really stressful year. Um, my mother had died suddenly, and I had to deal with the estate and all that. Summertime came up, I thought, I'll rest and I'll be fine. And I didn't get fine, I got worse. There's some foods that are can cause inflammation in joints. And I was like, I thought that was crazy because I didn't think food could have anything to do with jointing and just see it as a little experiment. Maybe, maybe try, you know, cold water therapy. About gluten and dairy, like cold turkey. And within about five days, I had about half the amount of pain. What we're eating is important, our lifestyle is important, but the most important thing is what's going on in our head because that affects our feelings, which cause vibrations in our body and our cells literally respond to vibrations. And I, I just really felt like this isn't the way life is meant to be. This is not how my life is meant to be. And I think I just made a decision that I was going to fix it no matter what. So welcome to uh, the Lunch and Learn and hybrid <laughs> what if it's not depression podcast um, i'm going to be interviewing a wonderful woman who i've gotten to know over the past three to four months because we're pursuing some of the same goals and her name is jane hogan and she is the wellness engineer yeah. she used to be an engineer we'll learn more about that and she blends science and spirituality to help people release pain by naturally letting go of inflammatory foods, inflammatory thoughts, and inflammatory feelings so that they can become the most magnificent versions of themselves. And her personal experience of reversing crippling rheumatoid arthritis, can you believe that? Rheumatoid arthritis using natural solutions inspired her to leave a 30-year engineering career and become a functional medicine certified health coach. Like, wow, that's major changes. It is. So through Jane Hogan Health, Jane applies engineering problem-solving skills to help others build a solid foundation of mind-body wellness and design their own unique path back to strength, vitality, and freedom. She's the creator of Wonderful Fine, a pain-free living program helping women activate optimal health by intentionally designing a life based on what their own body needs. She's also the host of Wellness by Design, a weekly live show dedicated to helping people intentionally design a life for wellness. And she's inspired, she's inspired 150,000 people to take control of their health with natural solutions and has been featured on multiple media outlets. So welcome Jane Hogan, the wellness engineer and functional medicine certified health coach. Thank you so much, Gina, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to your audience. Oh yeah. So tell us, I, I want to hear more about like your journey and how, like, tell me how, 
like, tell me about the rheumatoid arthritis. My mother had very severe rheumatoid arthritis yeah. all through my childhood. I mean, she, it was so bad that her knuckles were all turned sideways and uh, she had gold injections. <laughs> I don't know if you know. Yeah, I've heard it, of that. Yeah, she had gold injected into her joints. I mean, she was in so much pain. So I know, I know the kind of pain that mm. people have when they have rheumatoid arthritis. Really. Yeah. So tell us, tell us more about what you experienced. Well, I, I seemed pretty healthy my whole life. I was very active, athletic, busy mom, you know, all that stuff. And I was, it was about three weeks after I turned 50. So I was just 50 and I had just been through a really stressful year. Um, my mother had died suddenly and I had to deal with the estate and all that. Mm. all the family issues that inevitably come up. Right. And so I just come through this really stressful year and I suddenly just started getting this pain, I, it, but it was really intense. You know, I was kind of getting her house ready for sale and doing a lot of painting and my shoulder really hurt, like so bad I had to put it in a sling. And then the next day it was the other shoulder. And then a few days later, it was my feet and then my hands. And then one day my jaw kind of like, cracked a little bit ah. anyway I I thought you know I thought when my it happened to my feet I needed orthotics so I got orthotics I was doing physio I just thought I know I've been stressed and it's gonna go away and I just need a bit of time off so I I took some time off work it was coming up to my vacation time because I taught at a college I taught engineering at a college Mm. so summertime came up I thought I'll rest and I'll be fine and I didn't get fine I got worse to the point where my knees had swollen up so much I was shuffling around like an old lady and um I couldn't like I couldn't like squeeze dishwashing liquid out of the bottle I couldn't turn door handles I got stuck in rooms because I couldn't turn door handles wow. I had so little strength in my hands how so long anyway, ago this? how long it, ago Oh, this was 2016, 2016. Okay. Okay. So this was, uh, it happened, um, this, the pain started happening in middle of March. And by, by the middle of July, I could hardly walk. Mm. That's how quick it was. And uh, nothing was showing up in my blood work, except I had low iron. Mm. <laughs> iron was all. And uh, so it, where I live, it takes a long time to get to see a rheumatologist. So my family doctor said, it's going to take a few months to get in. So in the meantime, there's some foods that are can cause inflammation in joints and I was like I thought that was crazy because I didn't think food could have anything to do with <laughs> joint pain which just seems kind of ridiculous now what I thought I thought it was crazy then but I was just in so much pain I was willing to try anything and I was you know of course googling and thinking this is sounding a lot like rheumatoid arthritis because it was the mirrored on both sides is a big a sign of it and then also that the pain is worse in the morning gets better as the day goes on that was that was telltale sign as well so I was starting to think that it was rheumatoid arthritis uh, and when I started reading about the treatments it kind of scared me there's pretty heavy drugs for mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis which can cause all kinds of other problems so right. <laughs> I wanted to try to go the natural route and I think I'm you know I just had a family that was adverse to taking medications if we didn't have to so I was willing to try the food so I just I cut out gluten and dairy like cold turkey and within about five days I had about half the amount of pain mm. it was incredible that 
that was my impression of it anyway. And then I, I felt so empowered. And I think sort of along this journey, I just, in the beginning, I just thought, I was looking forward to freedom years. Our, our youngest son was just finishing high school and you know, we were, we were looking forward to retirement in a few years. And, and then with this pain, I thought I am not gonna be able to do all these things that we have dreamed of doing all of our life. And my husband's not gonna be able to do it either because he's gonna be stuck with me. And I, I just really felt like this isn't the way life is meant to be. This is not how my life is meant to be. And I think I just made a decision that I was going to fix it no matter what. And I wasn't going to give up until I did. (laughs) So, so I did. So I I started with the food and then I started reading more about um, lifestyle and functional medicine and did more and more. And I actually trained to become the functional medicine certified health coach while I was working. So I went back to my job and Mm -hmm. did this training, learning more. And I just became so passionate about it that I really wanted to help people. And so then I decided to leave my career and, um, and just do this full time. I love it. And I've also learned along the way that how, I think I've learned that it's even more important what we're eat what we're eating is important, our lifestyle is important, but the most important thing is what's going on in our head because that affects our feelings which cause vibrations in our body and our cells literally respond to vibrations in our body. Totally. Yep. I totally agree with everything <laughs> that you just said. And you know, I was waiting for you to say gluten, dairy, and sugar. I did right? sugar as well. And yeah. Sugar, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. always those three. Yeah. yeah. Really. Well, I, I, the only time I had sugar was in baked things. So I wasn't really planning on cutting out sugar. It just kind of happened because I wasn't eating baked things. So ah, yeah. Okay. So it really was gluten, dairy, and sugar at the right. same time. Right. It's usually that triad. That's the first three that I have my patients pull out when, whenever I work, you know, they work with me on, on these issues. So, um, because those are the top three inflammatory foods in really for all symptoms (laughs) that people come up with, you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, or whether it's joint pain, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I found it fascinating that you left engineering and it made me wonder, and because you also talked about your thoughts, I'm wondering how was your job so stressful that you were leaving engineering or was it because you were so passionate about, you know, what was the, what was the combination passionate about what pulled you away from engineering and towards, um, towards becoming a functional medicine coach? Um, it, it was both, I think, like mm-hmm. it, it was a passion to help people, but I also realized, you know, I, I came, I, it, I realized through all this process that there, there was a lifetime of people pleasing going on uh-huh. when I look back over it, right? I became an engineer because I came from a family of engineers and that's what they, you know, we wanted to do. My older sister was an engineer uh-huh. and, you know, I did love engineering, but my job, I taught in the college, teaching in the college is a stressful environment and I've been doing it for a long time and my passion for it the subject once I realized how passionate I was about the health subjects I I realized I wanted to teach this kind this from this level of passion not what I was doing before I love what I was doing before I taught you know design of structures and foundations of buildings and it's kind of like I'm transferring that now because I'm teaching 
a solid foundation, but it's just not for building it, buildings. It's for people's health. So right. I'm, I'm transferring a lot of the skills actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, I and I completely agree with you. My husband, I don't know if you know this, but my husband's an engineer and he teaches at at a university as well. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know all about his end. And there's so many times where he's a robotics specialist, and there's so many times where our our conversations actually overlap in 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 the way we think about things, and it's like what applies in in um, robotics also applies in the human body in, in many ways. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I'll also, um, I have always been really interested in spirituality and, you know, our and personal development, but I never really saw this kind of merging together. But as I studied more on health and spirituality, it's linking back to science and quantum physics. And it's, an, it's amazing the parallels and the science that backs up all these spiritual traditions that have been around for thousands of years, right? right? right. We knew they worked, but we didn't really know why. But now the science is getting closer and closer to proving why. Absolutely. You mentioned vibrations. My husband actually teaches vibrations and, uh, uh, and vibrations are really, really important um, in terms of hitting that cellular level. So that's mm -hmm. why gongs and, and all sorts of sounds really causes that vibrate. Do you have one? <laughs> I have a tuning fork here and yeah. I got a Tibetan bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Vibrations really helps to synchronize the whole body on a cellular level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you brought up emotions and I want to see how you connect emotions to joint pain or pain, chronic pain. Tell me how you see the connection. I see the connection and you know, I, I'm not coming from the medical background like, like you, but I see the connection as when we, when we have these thoughts and feelings that are low vibration, we are, our whole system sort of goes offline. So as you know, we've got our parasympathetic state of our nervous system and the sympathetic state. So when we are feeling feelings like fear or doubt or anger, resentment, mm -hmm. you know, any of those negative kinds of feelings, then our system moves into that sympathetic mode, which is a fight, flight, fear, you know, so, so we can't, we're not running optimally. And so all of our, all of our systems, our, our digestive system, our endocrine system, our, our uh, reproductive system, musculoskeletal system, all of these systems are not frontline. They're not operating efficiently anymore because our body thinks it's a life or death situation. So, you know, forget fighting off those viruses or bacteria because, you know, we might have to run now and, and run for our lives. So that, that's how I see it, you know, in a really simple way is that we, we go offline and all these systems stop working. So when the systems stop working, the digestive system, for example, then you can get bacterial overgrowth and things not work, working very well can lead to leaky gut then triggers the immune system, which then causes inflammation. Right, right. So, yeah. so downstream, we've got inflammation, which can show up as joint pain or skin rashes or, um, you know, uh, all kinds of different signs of inflammation. Um, so that's the downstream side. The upstream side is, I believe, starts in our, our thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
Right. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, you're right about that. The thoughts, especially if you're in fight, flight or fear, you know, if, if yeah. you have to be hyper vigilant, even on a, in a background way, what yeah. can happen is that your body tenses up on the micro level. Yeah. And that is, it's all connected. So your bones are connected to your cartilage, which is connected mm. to your ligaments, which is connected to your muscles, you know, right. And yeah. even on a micro level, just, just that small little tension can make all the difference in terms of creating um, inflammation on a structural level, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know how bridges are made, right? And if yeah. you have something just off a little bit, it can actually cause the whole bridge to fall down, right? Yes. <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's, it's, uh, have you ever seen that video of a bridge that was made in the 18, I think it was 1800s or maybe early 1900s where people were walking on the bridge and it was escalating. It started oscillating, right? And it's the same kind of thing, but in the it can happen in the body as well, where there's this oscillating, right? Where and it gets off kilter, and um, and it it just takes a little little trigger, and and it sounds like for you, the trigger was the emotional stuff with the passing of your mother, having to handle the estate. It's amazing, and so, plus when there's a passing of a parent, if there's any. Um, and I, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but, you know, just in general, if there's any conflict or conflicted emotions, especially with someone who's really close and then they pass, all of that stuff comes up. So it's not just the passing, yeah. but all the emotions that come up that had to do, you know, that probably built on for over the years mm. right, that then comes to pass as well <laughs> yeah so much and we we really don't realize like you know we tend to think of stress as being like a stressful job or being busy but stress is also those emotions that you carry around your whole possibly your whole life things that you learned when you were really little before the age of seven that get lodged in your subconscious mind and just stay there running in the background you're so used to them you don't even know that they're there you don't even realize that it's causing stress right and even now I'll notice I I, I hold stress in my belly a lot of times and I'll notice that I'm clenching in my belly I go, okay okay all right ah, let it go <laughs> right. right or my shoulders will tense up that's right hold a lot too right so we don't right. realize that these little things can can build and it's kind of like you get to a tipping point that's how I see it it was sort of pro probably building a little bit and then took it right up to, to my bucket was full and then tipped it over right right yeah so tell me what you do with your um with your clients and when you see that um that they're holding stress in like obviously the first the first thing to do is to have a bring that to their awareness mm -hmm. and teach them how to be aware right yeah yeah, yeah. And so, always good <laughs> yeah so once once a person's aware what do you have them do in in terms of connecting if they have pain in their body and connecting their emotions to that pain mm. uh well i use a lot of different tools and it depends on the person what you know where they kind of want to start mm -hmm. uh, you know I believe meditation is fantastic but if you tell someone if they've never meditated for it and you say let's do some meditation they may not be ready for that but they may be ready to do a little bit of deep breathing mm -hmm. 
So, um, so I may start with just deep breathing, just like, let's learn how to breathe into our belly because a lot of us are going around breathing into our chest. We're not getting full breaths in and we're not, we're going around in that state of, you know, breathing too quickly and, and not getting the air. And so deep breathing is a great way to relax. So I might do some deep breathing, um, meditation. I do tons of guided meditations that I share with my clients. And um, I'm really a, a big fan of journaling as well. Just, you know, start, just start doing some journaling especially gratitude journaling. It's one of those emotions that's very quickly can switch people from that fear state to, um, to a safe state where they can get into the parasympathetic mode. And that's where, of course, the healing, the repair, everything can happen. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, gratitude is, is a great one. So th those are some of the tools, but there's obviously lifestyle things as well. We, we wanna have foods that are gonna energize, not foods that are gonna deplete, heal the gut, a lot of times, you know, it, they, by the time they come to me, they've often got gut issues. So sometimes it might be ironing that out first. Um, I experience uh, SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So I know what that's like. And a lot of my clients come to me with that. Um, I don't, I don't know if your audience is very familiar with SIBO. Oh, absolutely. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we've had talks about uh, that in the past. Yeah, it's depending on where they come in, obviously. So it is a good idea to to just even mention what that is, just in case someone who's watching this is not familiar. Why don't you just go into that a little bit? What SIBO is and. Mm. Okay, so SIBO is uh, an acronym that stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So the bacteria, which should normally be in our large intestine, which is further down the line, it uh, migrates up into the small intestine for a number of reasons. Lots of different things could happen, but stress is one of the things that can cause that to happen. Um, and then they start to, the living is easier for them there, so they start to eat overgrow there's a lot they'll you know they'll keep growing and growing and they release a lot of gas and then people feel that as bloating they may feel it as acid reflux they may feel especially notice bloating after certain things they may have abdominal pain uh, but other things like I didn't have any of the digestive symptoms, which is really quite strange but I, I didn't I had some as it turned out but I didn't realize it because they were I thought my normal. Right, right. They weren't normal. Yeah. But even things like restless leg syndrome is associated with SIBO, joint mm -hmm. pain, brain fog, right. rosacea, acne. Right. Yeah. Um, All of those deficiency. Yeah. yeah. And even uh, constipation and yeah. diarrhea or alternating constipation and diarrhea exactly. based yeah. on type of bacteria, whether it's methane producing or hydrogen yeah. producing and hydrogen sulfide and even uh, fungal. So the, that, and that's called CFO, small intestinal fungal overgrowth. So there's different kinds of overgrowth and there's different root causes for SIBO and CFO. So yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's looking for those things as well. It, it's one of those root causes, the root of the root causes, right? Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, I th thought, or when I found out that it was C, that I had this severe case of SIBO, um, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, this is the root cause, but going further back from that, it still is emotional. For me, it was emotional anyway. But of course, SIBO can also be caused by like surgeries, 
anything that's going to basically stop the flow a little bit. So could be surgeries, could be even age sometimes too. I think, you know, there's that ileocecal valve between the small intestine and the large intestine may get stuck open, right? right? And allow stuff to come up. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, medications, medications, other- yeah. Uh, and and acids, um, antibiotics, there's a whole yeah. list of medications yeah. that can eventually result in SIBO, but also hiatal hernia, there's poor digestion, right? Yeah. So, but the, I think the most common symptoms of SIBO is, uh, the bloating in particular and the, yeah. the, the diarrhea or constipation. Yeah. Um, some people can be so bloated that they look pregnant, you know? So, uh, yeah, and it can come and go. So, and the, the treatment for that, uh, the initial treatment for that, just so the audience knows, is going on a low FODMAP diet. And sometimes that is just a matter of uh, a, a good way to experiment and see if it is SIBO just by doing a low FODMAP diet. But then you really want to get aggressive because then you're stuck on a low FODMAP diet. If you want to go back to your regular diet, you want to really be aggressive about treating the SIBO and then finding the, what caused the SIBO in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's, it's a nasty one. And this also can come back if you don't uh, get rid of the root causes, right? It's, right. it's notorious for coming back. Right. So, um, yeah. And stress is one is a big one that I think I find that stress is probably the hardest to manage for people because they have a tendency to put stress on the, the minimize it or put it on the back burner. And some, some people don't really realize that just being an overdrive is stressful to the body. You might not, you might think, oh, you know, I'm having a great time, you know, mentally, but it's being an overdrive in the same way that you would be like driving a race car. Race cars have different requirements or athletes, pro athletes have different requirements, you know, than the average car or the average person. And so if you're in overdrive and you're not taking care of yourself, that can be extremely stressful to the body. And then consequently the mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's a, such a menace. <laughs> it's a menacing uh, type of, uh, of, of, thing to have in your life that can have so many repercussions in different areas. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us where, where are you located now? Oh, I'm in Newfoundland in Canada. In so. Canada. Okay. I, you know, <laughs> I couldn't remember cause I know you told me, but I just couldn't remember where you're from. So you're in Canada. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And so I know I will include in the show notes about um, how to contact you if people want to, who, who, who want to work with you, especially if it's around joint pain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I know you, I'm gonna include in the show notes, uh, something that you're gonna be sharing with my audience, which is a release with peace to help lower pain with affirmations, guided meditation and breath work. Yeah. But, I want to make sure that we talk about one more thing that you really wanted to talk about. And I have talked about um, in in, uh, previous episodes in other situations is cold therapy. Yeah. Tell me more about cold therapy because I I use it to help support the parasympathetic system that rest, digest and heal system. Tell, tell me what your experiences have been and what you do with your clients using cold therapy. 
Well, this I do this with myself. I haven't convinced a lot of clients to do to do this, but I find it really therapeutic. So I started, you know, in my research on, on what to do, I started learning a bit more about cold therapy. So I began taking cold showers or not cold showers, but switching my shower to cold at the end. Um, so I've been doing that for a couple of years and I find it just feels really good. Like I just, if, if I was, had any inflammation at all, it would bring it down. But I think I realized after a while that I was not doing it quite right. Cause I would be standing on the cold going, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Like that. <laughs> and I realized, okay, no, that's wrong. <laughs> be, oh, loving this. <laughs> Feels so good. So yeah, that's, so that's something I've been doing for quite a while. I have noticed that in the summertime, it's quite a bit the cold in the summertime is a lot warmer than the cold in our win winter time here in Newfoundland. <laughs> in the summer, I could do a minute, no problem. But now this time of year, it's more like down to 30 seconds. It's pretty cold. I, I basically stay until I get a brain freeze. Ah, what do you mean a brain freeze? You mean a, a headache? Or well, you know, you know that feeling if you eat, um, if you eat, uh, kids will get it like if they have a ice cream or something. Yeah. Oh, I, but I don't like the way that feels. <laughs> yeah. It's not that pleasant, but so the cold, um, it helps the mitochondria, right? It helps the mitochondria gets rid of, it's kind of like an army with maybe there's some laggers behind. So mm -hmm. this kind of stresses the army a little bit so that the laggers go, eh, not going to make it, you know, in this boot camp or we're out. <laughs> so it gets rid of the lagger. So you're left with kind of a more efficient system. Right. And um, yeah, so I, I started doing that now this winter. I, the last number of years, a family in this neighborhood would have a New Year's Day polar dip. So I've been doing that, you know, it's like, running. oh, wow. Yeah, but uh, this last winter, um, my daughter was visiting and her boyfriend and I, and we started going every day. <laughs> so I went every day. In, so we have a river across the street. Right. It's cold, there's snow, there's ice, but we just would run down and run out into the water, dunk our heads under and come out again. Super uh -huh. cold, um, but very, very invigorating feels really good. And I also, I, I wear an aura ring. So I was, you know, I'm always tracking my health symptoms and I noticed that my heart rate variability went up mm -hmm. in the day when I did it seven days in a row. And then I kind of tapered off and said, I'm only going to go once or twice a week. And I noticed the heart rate variability went down again. Right. Right. So I could really see a difference. And I think I, I slept better. Um, so I, I, it's, and it's fun. It just makes me feel like, especially now during COVID, where there's kind of not a lot going on, it sort of makes you feel like uh, I'm having an experience, you know, because mm -hmm. we can't travel to have experiences in Newfoundland. We're, we've got this quarantine. We're, we're in a very tight bubble here. Um, so uh, there's no traveling. So this is like, instead of traveling, I'm getting my experience of participating in life and, and having some fun and health benefits as well. Right. That's fantastic. That's really great. Yeah. I, I uh, usually have my patients when I, when it's recommended, when I'm ready, recommend that with, for them, have them do the cold showers, turning to the cold for a, a minute, you know, at the end and, or getting into a tub of cold water. It's hard in the beginning, but it, you're right. It's absolutely invigorating and it really calms the body down. It does. Um, 
it really makes a big difference. It's hard for people to believe, but it really makes a difference. So there's, uh, there's lots of science backing it up too. You can look up studies showing the health benefits and people pay a lot of money to go to those cryotherapy units, you know, that, <laughs> but exactly. this is something free. It exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and even if you could, you know, sometimes it's fine just even putting your feet in a, in a, bucket of cold water if you don't want to put your whole body at least but I feel like it's better to put your whole body into the water it, it it's sort of like the same as going to the beach and it's harder to just have your feet in the water as opposed to actually diving in it's it, mm -hmm. that it, I think it's harder to, ha to have your feet in a bucket of water as opposed to just putting your whole body in the yeah. shower or in a tub but I agree with you that getting your head wet is going to be uh, important too, because it really stimulates all of the acupressure points in the head. It just, it hits so many things and your scalp is very sensitive and your whole face is very sensitive and just having your head immersed in cold water really makes a difference. Mm. It's hard in the beginning. I don't, you know, I don't want to caution people that it's going to be, a, it could be a little shock at the same time. It's also extremely invigorating. Yes. Yeah. Great for circulation, great for your skin. Mm -hmm. So many levels. I do find it actually easier to go get in the river than the cold shower. The cold shower doesn't feel as pleasant because mm. it takes, you know, you're standing there waiting for it to get cold. Ooh. Whereas getting the water is just like, walk, 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 junk. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. yeah that's great. If, so if anyone wants to, um, check out my Instagram or my Facebook page. I've got a bunch of videos up there um, oh. on cooler dipping if they want to have a look. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. At Jane Hogan Health. Great. Yeah. Hopefully people will check that out. And it would be cool. It's cool to see how people look when they come out of the water, right? <laughs> so you mentioned um, your aura ring. I would love for you to mention that just so the audience knows it's spelled O-U-R-A. Reset little sensors, I guess. Uh -huh. So um, it, it works with an app on my phone and I can keep it in airplane mode, you know, all the time so that it's not constantly emitting signals and stuff. I like try to keep that EMF exposure down as much as possible. Um, but it, it's so great. It gives me, um, it, it reads your um, heart rate variability, which is not your heart rate, but the variation in uh, time between successive heartbeats. And what they found is that uh, heart rate variability, the, the more variability you have, the, the healthier you are better, basically. So it's the biggest indicator of health and longevity is heart rate variability. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Aura Ring measures heart rate variability. It measures um, changes in body temperature, which is really handy if people are wondering about they're getting a fever, or, you know, body temperature going up for whatever reason, COVID or something else. It measures respiratory rate and it measures, um, what's the fourth one? Uh, resting heart rate. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it also tracks your movement, sleep, and things like that. And I love it because every day it gives you a readiness score. So it takes all of these factors, all of your sleep, your your how how much you've recovered, how well you've recovered if you've done exercise the day before, puts it all together and gives you a readiness score for that day. And sometimes it'll say, take it easy today. And other days it'll say, you know, 
take on, tackle anything. You're, mm -hmm. you're at your, the top of your game today kind of thing. So it's really, really great. But heart rate variability is the one I, every day, I'm always looking at that one because I know that that's the biggest indicator of health. And right. uh, so interesting to see a change. And you can look at changes. Um, it, it'll do visual graphs for you. Like you can look at daily, weekly, monthly. Hmm. You can really see these trends over time. Right. right. I, I'm all about the data. When I was, uh, I'm still doing it, but in the beginning I was graphing and charting, you know, pain levels with sleep and with food and just look, putting all the data together to see, to really figure out the, how my body was reacting. Cause we're all individuals, right? There's no right. one thing that's right for everybody. So finding what's right for you is important. So keeping track of the data. Is Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think it, it's um, helpful to have the da data and, but it's finding the right app or the right, you know, way to collect that data, I think is uh, finding a compatible to your lifestyles because some people don't necessarily have the time to collect data on a day-to-day -day basis. It, you know, they, I mean, or they just, just find it annoying or too time consuming. They don't have the uh, motivation to do those things. So having a, uh, an app or this type of Oura ring make, may collect the data for you instead. So I, th I think it's what, a couple hundred dollars. I have had a couple patients use the Oura ring. They found it to be very helpful too. So, um, and it's, it's really easy to set up. Yeah. So I'm glad you it mentioned is. that. So it's, it's, it is something that I sometimes recommend for some of my patients if they're not into collecting data on their own, <laughs> but it yeah. is the heart rate variability is a type of data. That's actually hard to collect that specific type of data. There's another, just so people know, there's another uh, app called heart math that yes. has a similar uh, type of thing. You're looking at heart rate variability, but also then helping you to have more coherence in heart rate, which you can also get from deep breathing, right? Yes. <laughs> Having breath techniques in place to, to do that. So it's all connected. All it is. Connected. It is. Well, one of the audios that's with that gift I'll have for your audience is um, heart-focused breathing. It comes from the HeartMath Institute and all of their research to show that when we do this type of breathing. We do bring our heart into coherence, heart and brain into coherence, our, the two hemispheres of our brain into coherence, and then we get into that parasympathetic state. Right. Yeah. So it's great. It is all connected, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I really like the heart rhythm meditation, and I'm not sure if that's the same that you are talking about, but uh, through I am iamheart.org. Is that the type of um, meditation that you use or is it a different? I haven't different heard that one in particular. Um, I yeah. look it up though. Heart rhythm uh, meditation through iamheart.org. And I've learned with pra uh, practitioners who have been trained uh, from that institution. So um, yeah, but ultimately it does come down to having heart coherence. If it, if it improves your heart rate variability and coherence, then that's where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah. And I do, I find yoga really good as well for all of this because it's, it's the spirituality, it's the breathing, it's the movement, it's the strength as well. So there's so many aspects of it, um, that really help with with pain relief it's actually also been scientifically shown to help with pain relief so i find that powerful 
as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It is, and it supports the parasympathetic system again. Yeah. yeah. All of these, all of these techniques that we're talking about is really, really great to support the parasympathetic system and bring more balance between the two systems. Yeah. Yeah. So any, anything that you would like to add as a parting thought of, or uh, something you'd like to let our audience know more about uh, joint pain that we haven't talked about? Uh, I think I'd just like to say that experiment on yourself. So if you have pain and if you're trying to figure out and uh, what works for you, just start experimenting on yourself and keep track of things, track food that you're eating, track stressors in your life, track your sleep, all these different things, and just see it as a little experiment. Maybe, maybe try, you know, cold water therapy. Just see the, see it as an experiment, as having some fun and trying to figure out what works best for you. Because ultimately what works best for each of us as an individual is, is what's right for us. And, and I believe too, that we have the knowledge within us to know what's, what's right for us to get quiet and listen. Right. Listening is very, very important and trusting, trusting yeah. what you hear. <laughs> so a lot of times people second guess themselves or they're, they go back and forth, back and forth in their minds and they're in limbo as opposed to at least even making choices and moving at least in that direction for a little bit and getting more information. And if it happens to be, okay, well, this is not the right path. Let's turn around and go the other direction as opposed yeah. to just not making any decisions. So making decisions, even if it's little decisions are really, really important. And, and that requires, and that's how you build trust in your decision-making. Yes. Making those little decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And holding the vision, holding the vision, belief. If you, uh, one thing I did was I found other stories of people who had healed naturally. And so that gave me the belief that this was possible. If it was possible for them, it's possible for me. So right. holding that vision and belief keeps you going as you are doing, going through these experiments and figuring out what works for you. Right. Right. So how is your joint pain now? Is it all? It's pretty good for yeah. the most part. Yeah. As long as I don't get stressed, uh -huh. <laughs> that's, that's the trigger for me is stress. And, uh, cause there's such a downstream effect with stress. You start getting stressed. You don't sleep as well, but all those things happen, but generally, no, I'm, I'm great. I can do all the things I hiked a mountain last year. I'm looking forward to more this year. So I feel very fortunate that I've managed to figure this out and that I can share this message with other people. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you went from not being able to turn the knob <laughs> in a room and being trapped in a room and, and hiking to hiking a mountain. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I, I really love for the people I interviewed to share their stories because I want for people to see that it's possible and to give them hope and to know that, you know, it is really just getting down to the root causes and to never give up. It's, it's not because you're not going to get well, it's because we just haven't gotten to all the root causes and to keep searching. So, right. So, yeah. So Jane, thank you so much for joining me today. I really wanted people to hear your story. And I love the fact that you're uh, the wellness engineer. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> and so I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story and the work that you do in your little part of the world. <laughs> Thank you, Achina. I'm so happy to be here and, and for you to give me the, this opportunity to share 
my story because if we can just keep spreading hope then that's a good thing and will help more people so right right okay thank you take care thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to this podcast episode i hope that you will join me in the future if you are interested in working with me, please go to www.achinasteindo.com to book a discovery call. There you may also download for free the first three chapters of my book. I hope my work enlightens you, gives you hope, and moves you forward on your journey to a better mood and fulfilling life.